Let us pray. I ask, Lord God, that you will fill the hearts of our youth, that their words are your words, and that their messages speak to those listening, and we learn more about you. I ask these things in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the precious name of Jesus. And the people of God said, And now it gives me great pleasure to introduce our first youth and our, from our 412 youth, who will bring us a word, setting, and example, no matter who you are, in speech. And she's going to get really tall in just a second. Go. So, as you know, we are the 412 youth, and our name is based off 1 Timothy 412 which is let no one despise you for your youth, but set an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. So I'm going to tell you how you can set an example in speech in God's name. So in school, there are a few different people that say a bad word because they think it might make them popular or it's cool or funny. Um, but this is not an example of speech in God's name. This is not how he wants us to spread his teachings. However, through Christ, we can use the speech that he gives us to tell others about him and preach his word and scriptures to others. Now, while I was writing this, I felt a large connection to God as he was giving me the words and scriptures to share with everybody here. Um, and a way that you can do this, whether you're at home, school, work, or anywhere else, is to think about what God would want you to say and what he is telling you to do if he were here. Um, And this reminds me of the song that goes, If we are the body, why aren't his hands reaching? In the way that if we we are the body of God, we do his work and his services. Um, And we also give out the voice of God because you can't just go out and help some old lady carry her groceries across the street without saying anything. Um, And we're also kind of like robots being told what to do by God. And because God is in heaven, we are his living things, and we carry out his services, and the responsibility of sharing and spreading his word has fallen onto us, which isn't a bad thing at all. And the fact that God trusts us enough to put that responsibility on us is amazing. So we should take up that wonderful burden, even even if it might be hard or confusing at some times, that he has given to us and tell people what God wants you to share through your words and your speech. Mallory for talking about how speech is super important in our walk with the Lord and how we can talk like him during that time. Right now, come on. You don't have to wait for me. (laughs) Right now we're going to have Calic talk about how we can walk in conduct and how conduct has, um, how she has lived in conduct. Yeah, that. (laughs) Good morning. Like Ms. Jen said, I'm Cal, and I am going to be talking about how we can set an example for believers in conduct. But what does conduct really mean? I think that conduct is just how you conduct yourself or how you act. I think this is one of the most important parts of being a Christian, because we can talk all day long about being kind to others and showing compassion, but unless we walk the talk, 
then we're no better than the Pharisees that Jesus often spoke of. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. You see, Jesus didn't like the Pharisees very much because they were hypocrites. They didn't walk the talk. But how does this this relate to us today? How do we walk the talk? 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So we need to show love and compassion and kindness through our actions. I think somewhere along the line of time, the definition of Christians got lost. We need to start loving God and loving people. Being a Christian is how you treat people. The goal is for people to know that you're a Christian, not because you have a cross on your t-shirt, but because you're constantly helping others and being kind to everyone. And that sounds easier than it is. It might be easy to be nice to friends or people in need, but what about mean people? What about people who don't deserve your love? What about your boss that always yells at the new girl or the petty person who always has to have their way? Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. That's Matthew 5:43-45. So now we know who to love, everybody. But how? We love through our actions. We love by doing. We love by simple things like telling a coworker that we like their shirt or telling the cashier at the supermarket that their hair looks great. We can show God's love, too. By showing God's love, we are really showing John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. By having a smile whenever you go to pick up your Starbucks order, we're showing that God so loved the world that he gave his Son for us. Showing God's love is praising him with everything we do. It's showing joy because we have been saved, and we will love and live with him forever in heaven. And we have that opportunity to show others that same joy. So we need to share our love and share God's love to others. We have to walk the talk. Yes, Kella, thank you so much for walking the talk. As as she was speaking, I kept thinking of that... um, I think it's St. Francis that says, or who, I don't remember who it is, but, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but live like Jesus and use words if necessary. Like I said, I butchered it. But that's, um, that's how we live our lives. So now Jack is going to speak about purity and how we can live a pure life in Christ. So, as I was writing this, I couldn't help but think of Matthew chapters 5 and 6. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness, because they are fed until they are full. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Happy are those who are pure of heart, for they will see God. But what exactly is purity? The Oxford English Dictionary defines purity as freedom from immorality. This can also be known as righteousness. None of us can be truly righteous for we have all sinned, but it is how we handle that sin. The first thing we should do is repent. 
Good deeds cannot make up for bad ones, but we can get better after we sin by giving alms and practicing pious acts, such as reading our Bibles, praying, or just taking time away for God. But how should we practice these acts? Matthew chapter 6 tells us, When you give to the poor, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And this is completely true. When you pray, don't do so loudly. Don't focus on so much on earthly things. You cannot serve both God and well. Jesus tells us only to worry about the necessities. He says, Desire first and foremost the kingdom of God. We shouldn't worry about tomorrow, making it to Friday, or how Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays. Instead, we should focus on how God is moving the world around us right now. Jesus is the greatest source of purity the world has ever seen, for he knew no sin. But how should we set an example to each other in purity? How can we do this if we're told to do so quietly? The first step is being pious and generous without expecting anything in return. It's great if others notice what we are doing and follow suit, but we should not expect a reward every time we pay for the car behind us in Chick-fil-A. The good may even eventually make its way back to us. One of these moments was in the second grade. I picked up napkins that had been left on the table in front of me. My mom, who was on a work trip at the time, got a phone call from the school telling her what I had done. The next day, I saw several other people staying at the tables, picking up trash that had been left. I picked up that napkin, not because I knew the principal was watching, but because it was right, and I happened to have set an example. This is how God calls us into the world to carry out his will and to glorify him. Yeah, thank you, Jack, for sharing about how we can live an integritous and pure. Wow. An integral life of full of integrity and purity. Next, we have Abby that's going to come. She's going to come and share about faith and how faith can be interesting sometimes. We, as people and as children of God, are called to make disciples of all nations. The only way we can do this is by sharing the gospel and by leading in both, both in and by speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Being a leader in anything is difficult. Everyone looks to you to see where to go next and how to react to everything. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes it just comes natural. But when we do lead, we lead to please God. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We live to please God, not people. We live to seek his kingdom and not worldly desires. In 1 John 2:15 and 16, it states, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but of the world. Therefore, have faith in and place your love in the Lord. You'll learn about love, but what is faith? Well, the Google definition is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, while the biblical definition lies in Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Same word, similar context, 
different levels of understanding. The biblical faith is much more complex than the faith you have in the chair you sit on every day, or so you'd think. The faith you place in that chair is steadfast, until you have a reason not to believe that chair can support your weight. Sound familiar? We place our trust in God, not always as much as we should, but we placed our faith there knowing God will get us through no matter what, right? Then why do we worry about insignificant little things? Why do we not follow the word and the truth spoken to us by God? Why do we not take matters into our own hands, even though God said he had this? Why do we only partially trust God? Why do we only partially have faith in the Lord our God? Why? The answer is simple. It's because we're human. We sin, we make mistakes, and we take matters into our own hands. We only partially have faith in God sometimes. Throughout this last year, and some extra months, how many of you have stressed yourself out over the outcome of the pandemic? I know I have. I trust that God's plan will hold me steady and keep me straight, but I still wasn't certain. And I don't think that I'm the only one who felt like this. In VBS a few years back, it was such a simple phrase, but it never leaves my head. When you worry, Jesus rescues. That simple sentence everyone can understand. And yet, there are times when we forget and we worry for no reason. We forget to have faith that it will all turn out beautifully and that God's plan is bigger than our own. And when things we plan don't go the way we want, it's because it wasn't in God's will. When my grandmother ends all of her prayers, she adds, If it's in your will, God. And I never realized why until now. In Galatians 2.16, it says, Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith, faith is the foundation upon which a relationship with Christ is born. Thank you, Abby. And in learning how to trust God, that faith is so important in that. Last but not least, we have Constance, who's going to share about love and how to walk out love in our lives. Good morning, everybody. So, you know, I was thinking about what to write about love. I mean, how does one talk about such an abstract and all-encompassing thing as love? My AP human geography teacher has a saying. He says, you can't fit geography into a box. He even has this little globe that almost fits into its box. It's so close, but it doesn't. So I think that love is a little bit like that. So anyways, here I stand, trying to fit love into a box. I started with a question. How do we set an example for believers and non-believers through love? What even is love? So I started where the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten came from. Can anybody guess what it was? Oh, you got it. <laughs> it's in the Bible. Behind me, you'll see a perfect description of love on these posters back here. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongdoing. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hope, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. And I love 
that it deals in an absolute. Love will never fail. There is not a situation that you can think of where love will not persevere. So we know what love is, but how does God show his love? Romans 5.8 says this, God chose his love for us because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And 1 John 4.9 says that this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So I guess that the way that God showed us that he loved us was to send his son to die on the cross for our sins. He sacrificed, and that's what love is. There is no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15:13. Love is dragging yourself out of bed at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning to drive to Murfreesboro for a soccer game. Love is staying together for 50 years even though she's a perfectionist and he isn't very good at communicating. Love is coming to church when you're so tired and you've had a long week and you just want to stay in bed. It takes sacrifice. But, honestly, why shouldn't we love? Why go through all the effort to do something for other people when we just don't want to? I thought about it for a bit, and then, like a light bulb, one of my favorite scriptures came to mind. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Bible condensed into four simple words. Love God, love people. It's that simple, but it is so complex. That is why we're here. Great. So, to recap, love never fails, but it takes sacrifice. And loving God and other people is very, very important to Jesus. It's important enough for it to be on top of our priority list. But how? And more specifically, how do we show God that we love him through loving other people? Matthew 25:35 through 40 says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will reply, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That is how we show God's love. It really isn't that hard of a thing to understand or even to do. It can be a simple thing, like remembering someone's birthday or paying for the meal behind you. It's giving someone a hug or just spending time with someone. And people notice that. Just ask any of the men that we help at Room in the Inn or anyone that comes to feed the need. It makes a difference. So it doesn't have to fit inside of a box. In fact, it should explode outside of the box. So no matter who you are, whether you think you're too old, too young, too awkward, or too shy, it does not matter. God gave us so many great examples of love, so let's get out there and show it. Now as we sit in this word, um, we're going to read Psalm 91.
Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand, though a, though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will protect you. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will, fu- you, are, you will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. This one? Okay. <laughs> so I want to invite you to really think about that verse and how you can live your life with godly speech and godly conduct, godly love, faith, and purity. Would you please stand and join us as we sing, If We Are the Body. Faces, the girl teasing love. 
into the world and let no one despise you for who you are. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. But set the believers an example in conduct. But set the believers an example in conduct. But set the believers an example in love. But set the believers an example in faith. But set the believers an example in purity. May Christ Jesus free you from all that ensnares you, and may the Holy Spirit provide you with everything for godliness and contentment, now and forever. Amen.
forth and be awesome in the name of Jesus.